Greetings from the Cosmic Horrors. The stars are right once again, and the great old ones are allowing us to talk about for 30 minutes H.P. Lovecraft, the horror writer who is a genre unto himself. I am your Cosmic host, Mark Griffin, executive of the Lovecraft Estate on Yagath, joined in by two from the material world, David Duffy, a professor at Miss Platonic University, and Richard Wilson, a narrator of the Nucoptic Manuscripts audiobook. We will continue exploring Lovecraft's early years, in our last meeting, we learned about the influence of his grandfather on him. We'll begin today talking about the books he read as a child and stayed with him to adulthood. David and Richard, can you guess what book was one of the first books he read as a child? I should know this. I remember reading it somewhere, but uh, maybe um, The Arabian Nights? Uh, you're close. There was uh, okay. uh, one of the first books he read was Grimm's Fairy Tales. Okay. Uh, it was first published December 20th, 1812. Uh, Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm and Wilhelm Carl Grimm, both brothers, were German academics who collected European folklore during the 19th century. They're the ones who introduced the world to Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Hansel and Gretel, Beauty and the Beast, Little Red Riding Hood, and Rapunzel. The majority of them are characters Walt Disney turned into profitable films and relatable merchandise. For an author noted for the cosmic horror, the influence of the fairy tales, besides being supernatural, would not be immediately apparent. Lovecraft was not known for his happily ever afters. Try not to think of them as fairy tales, but as folklore instead. Dr. Tim Evans, an associate professor of folk studies at Western Kentucky University, uh, stated in an essay that Lovecraft's writings embodied much of the ideology that surrounded the interests of folklore and tradition in the United States in the 1920s and 30s. His interest in folklore extended beyond off-code tales, but also the stories associated with places and buildings. During his life, during his times out haunting in the night, he wasn't engaged in illicit activities, but instead admiring the architecture of the city of Providence. Because of his sheltered life, he never formed deep attachments to other people, but instead, as Evans pointed out, formed connections to a very strong sense of place. As an adult, he traveled outside of Providence, similar to the narrator Shadow over Innsmouth, collecting history, folklore, dialect of visited towns, antiquing, as he called it, genealogy we might call it today. Oddly, he wouldn't always write down what folklore he heard, sometimes just mentioning only that he heard it. When Lovecraft returned home, he wrote travel logs, which he never, were never published during his lifetime. It was when he was out antiquing that Lovecraft wrote his fiction. Aside from Shadowver Innsmouth, he worked his antique into his tales. Stories such as Picture in the House, he started off with a protagonist on a walking tour that ended with horrific encounters. Lovecraft was never inspired by a single folktale to, to adapt into a story. Instead, they were used as flavoring. A good example is The Shunned House, a 1924 tale where a nameless narrator and his uncle, Dr. Elihu Whipple, investigate an abandoned house. The shunned house itself is based on at least two real places of residence, including the home of Mrs. H.C. Babbitt of 135 Benefit Street in Providence, where an aunt lived at one time and still stands today. Benefit Street intersects with Angel Street and is only a 22-minute walk from his grandfather's house, so he probably passed by it during his night haunts. Another basis for the shunned house was the Andrew Jolie House in New Jersey which reminded Lovecraft of the Babbitt house, describing it as a terrible old house, a hellish place where night black deeds must have been done in the early 1700s. 
with blackish unpainted surface, unnaturally steep roof, and an outside flight of stairs leading to the second story, suffocatingly embowed with a tangle of ivy so dense that one cannot imagine it accursed or corpse fed. Lovecraft would have made a very peculiar realtor. Believed to be buried beneath the shunt house of the short story was a vampire. Vampires were a subject matter Lovecraft was familiar with. Most people assume these creatures of the night only come from Transylvania, but the New England, New England states had their own accounts of these macabre attackers. One of the most famous happened in Rhode Island when Lovecraft wasn't quite two years old. In this account, a 19-year-old woman named Mercy Lena Brown of a remote town called Exeter, or despairingly as Deserted Exeter, which bordered with Connecticut, a state with its own vampire legends, such as in Jewett City. Mercy Lena Brown had died from tuberculosis January 17, 1892. Back then, the disease that involves a high fever, hacking bloody cough, and a visible wasting away of the body was not understood, and believed to be caused by drunkenness and want among the poor. It wouldn't be until 1882 when microbiologist Robert Koch discovered the disease was caused by bacteria. Ten years after the discovery, the knowledge was still not well known. In Lovecraft's portion of the United States, tuberculosis was associated with vampirism, and so that it was called the New England Vampire Panic. Panic. At the time of Lena's death, her mother and sister had also died from tuberculosis, and her brother Edwin was recovering. However, after she died, Edwin took a turn for the worse. Her father, George, suspected evil forces at play, and that the three dead female family members were leaving the graves to feed on his son. Neighbors were asked to dig up the graves and see if any of the bodies contained fresh blood. They did so March 17, 1892, two months to the day Lena had died. The neighbors discovered that the mother and sister had decomposed to bones, but Lena, who had been buried in the winter, was still preserved. A newspaper account recorded the heart and liver were removed, and in cutting open the heart, clotted and decomposed blood was found. A doctor determined she had died from tuberculosis, but the neighbors were not taking any chances and had her organs burned. The ashes were gathered, probably mixed with water and medicine, and fed to Edwin, which was a common folk remedy against vampirism. To no one's surprise today, Edwin died two months later. News reports of the macabre disinterments were first published in the Providence Journal newspaper, so it's very likely that Lovecraft's family was well aware of it and Grandfather Phillips probably recounted it to his grandson when older. The town of Exeter gets mentioned a few times in the shunned house, such as when the townsfolk exhumed the dead body and ceremoniously burned its heart in order to prevent certain alleged visitations injurious to the public health and peace. This was not the only work of horror to be inspired by the Exeter incident. Bram Stoker had a clipping of the account and others in his collection, which may have inspired him in painting Dracula, which was published five years later. Lovecraft peppered folklore and other stories, such as the unnameable, Dunwich Horror, and even Whisper in the Darkness. Instead of simply retelling old stories, Lovecraft preferred reworking folk tales to create what he called new artificial myths, and encouraged other writers to do the same. By blending familiar tales with his own imaginative narratives, he blurred the, he blurred the line between truth and fiction, giving his stories an air of believability, familiarity, and gravitas. The best example is the confusion over whether the Necronomicon as a book exists or not. Originally, the author's fascination with folklore served another purpose. It was a way to preserve a way of life. Motivated by an anti-moderate reduction of industrial capitalism and everything that surrounded it, including commercialism, mass consumerism, and immigration, according to Dr. Tim Evans, Lovecraft's combined 
an antiquarian interest in folklore and historical material culture with the passions of a preservationist and the worries about cultural loss and misconsideration. For this agenda, he brought the literary traditions of supernatural fiction, travel narrative, and regional local color to create a unique body of work that drew its authoritative voice from the use and invention of folklore. In his later years, folklore took on a different meaning. He was coming to accept that the world was changing and filled with different people and was coming to his acceptance of its transformation and even embracing it. This change in perspective is best exemplified in Shadowber Inns now. For folklore to the thrive, to thrive, it has to be pressed up, passed on from one generation to another. And Lovecraft succeeded in this aspect in ways that he would not have imagined. A circle of young writers were encouraged by Lovecraft himself to not only use elements from his newly created folklore, but to add their own contributions. In turn, Lovecraft would incorporate their additions into his works, therefore blurring the line of what portions of the cosmic horror belong to whom. We will expand upon these thoughts at a future point. At this moment, the great old ones require us to move into discussions less restricted and more free. Before handing the reins over, let me mention that currently a matchup between Lovecraft and the Brothers Grimm exists. It is called Mythos Grimly, an anthology of stories based on, some barely, the output of these three men, such as the Dunwich Ball, which is a retelling of Cinderella. Some of the stories have no connection to the Grimm's, such as the Black Goat of the Hundred Acre Wood, which is based on Winnie the Pooh. One reviewer on Goodreads.com stated, nearly all the stories are interesting and most are well-written. My, my criticism would be the uneven editing. A couple are so poorly proofread that reading them is irritating. She described the House of Sleeping Beauties as so tense, so disturbing, I think this one will stick with me for quite a while. Interested parties can go to Kickstarter to not only purchase a copy of the book, but also receive plush dolls such as Little Red Riding Cthulhu. Lovecraft would have never imagined that. Professor Guppy, Mr. Wilson, I turn the forum over to you. Cherish his freedom, the elder gods have graced you with. Sounds good. Uh, just, a little note, talking about? just a little note, um, I actually went to one of the towns where they had one of those vampire panics in uh, Woodstock, Vermont. And I saw the site where they like um, allegedly like uh, cut open like uh, someone's um, heart and they, they burned it on the greens of the, of the town in an, in an iron uh, bucket and then they buried the bucket somewhere in the town. Yeah, they have a plaque up commemorating it or something uh, like Nothing that. like that. You know, it's, <laughs> It's so heavy tourized, you know, they, most, they have all these little boutique shops and everybody just go around doing shopping, which seemed like a really odd thing because there's nothing really else there, you know, except you just go there and do shopping. Okay. So what's going on with Lovecraft today? Well, what do you think, Richard? That's interesting that you, as far as you talk about the, the folklore aspect in terms of it being passed on to other authors and other authors and that type of thing because now you see that really Lovecraft has become kind of a genre unto itself with different authors expanding on or doing again, like you were talking about, let's say like you're doing a mashup of Grimm's, uh, Grimm's Tales with Lovecraft. Um, you see entire like uh, comic runs, like um, the Dark Horse comics, like Fall of Cthulhu and that type of thing that are writers who do very much nothing but Lovecraft themed horror, you know, as far as, you know, adding their own spins to it. Uh, anthologies of other authors that are taking it and you know doing say like updated imaginings involving social media or uh, internet and that type of thing uh, into those stories like updates and that type of thing or um, 
again, as far as for the prime of the more high profile one that we'd be looking at would be the, uh, the Lovecraft uh, country that's, you know, being adapted, you know, for HBO with a trailer coming out for that. Um, the their TV viewers and that type of thing and then becoming a little more familiar as opposed to book readers and that type of thing. Yeah, there's like everything, like, you know, video games, role-playing games, you know, the Oh, yeah, I played, there's a new game out, or a demo, I should say, of a new game out called The Shore, which is shamelessly, well, like, wears its Lovecraft inspiration on its sleeve as in terms of, you know, with the uh, the lighthouses, you know, in an abandoned, you know, island that you're exploring and all the little Easter eggs, of it, and then even summoning Awakening Cthulhu at the end of it. <laughs> as a downloadable it's very very well done as far as you know in terms of all the detail work and that type of thing and be interested in playing the full version um, but as far as people just not even being coy about it anymore in terms of no we're, this is just openly you know a Lovecraft themed game or it could be a those game versus say even like 80s and 90s you might have a character who's clearly inspired by Lovecraft type stories and that type of thing but they're not using those same the names of those same entities, the names of those same towns, that type of thing. Yeah, it's, well, it's really got to the point today where it's like most people like were probably haven't read anything by Lovecraft, but still enjoy it. Exactly, story. yeah, it, where people haven't, don't know, haven't even touched the source material, don't know anything about it, but they just know about it through the osmosis and popular culture, where right. you can title something as far as, again, using a Lovecraft country, and people are going to know what that means. Ooh, it's cosmic horror of some kind or whatever, as opposed to what does that mean? <laughs> a lot of Lovecraft would be a little bit uh, difficult or dry to say the least compared to some of the more modern uh, stories that are taken off on him. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know, I don't know what age group you would be looking at that might, might be interested in reading it. But it's, it's probably a tough sell. <laughs> right, where you're reading it then almost just to be kind of the, oh, I just say that you've read the original work in terms of versus like, oh, I just saw the short story the, or the, you know, the horror, 80s horror movie that said that Colorado Space was, or was based off of Colorado Space, that type of thing. And then, oh, no, I've read the original work to say that you've done it, but would, without all these other things kind of pointing back to that source material, would there be as much, you know, as much interest and then because I think that's why you see so many of these continually reprinting these adaptations, or, or not or I should say adaptations, but reprints of the original works, yeah. uh, collecting the you know, the Cthulhu mythos stories and that type of thing into you know year after year of the this many reprintings, that many reprintings of it, um, because there's that kind of demand of people who are coming into it for the first time through video game or an RPG or a comic book or a movie or a TV show or something like that, and, as opposed to hearing about it you know is oh well, here's this book that you need to read yeah. well it's and of course a great deal of it's in the public domain so uh reprints are a big deal out there right now especially you've got the big uh barnes and noble deluxe editions with leather covers and all that and um yeah, several years ago i bought a copy of a digital version on uh, amazon for like i don't know three dollars that some some girl had put together and I mean, she did a lot. She get, did a good job typesetting it. And, you know, it was, she just put it all together and put it out there. So I guess anybody can do that kind of thing. Yeah, anybody can. It's all in the public domain. Not the only thing is like, you know, a lot of times books will add like, add like illustrations or do something creative with the font, you know, or right. design. Right. The book versus that kind of the ability to self-publish now so much, particularly in an e-book format. 
and then with that public domain, you know, aspect of it means that you have that much more material, that many more authors, you know, that are doing their own spin on it and putting it out there. Yep. Oh, yeah. And uh, most of his works are available online. You can go to a, a certain website and, like, you pick them up. Yeah, they're exactly. About, like, they're, like, three, three of the stories that you can't, you know, get. And um, I'm not sure why, but they're not, like, his most famous stuff. You know, they're kind of, you know, kind of like very little known stuff. Or the, the deep cuts and B-sides and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I think of things that are kind of like more of like, you know, like afterthoughts than him, mm -hmm. than like, you know, something like in a serious matter. And um, they, they, I think, I don't think any of them were the ghost written works. I think most are just kind of just stuff he just wrote. And, yeah. um, but you know, the weird thing is some is like, you know, lesser important, you know, some of this stuff is like juvenilia you can pick up, you know, and, and read, you know, online. You know, like a lot of his really early stuff and so he was up uh, you know so he's like going back to talking about how did I just see Princess Cthulhu yeah yes. an astral projection yeah she just made her appearance and all that yes it's good to see you Princess Cthulhu yes 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 we feel blessed today for your presence and all that but and so but you know you know, just the theme of Lovecraft, you know, it's like he just, it's almost like someone just kept on going. You know, he wasn't really like, he's something he was writing to create an atmosphere, you know, for mm -hmm. his stories. He, he said right. he was, he was creating an atmosphere, but I think it was more like world building that he was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I think so as well, because so many people, that's kind of what they've run with, less about atmosphere, more almost about, again, taking these characters and ideas and that type of thing and expanding yeah. it on them. Uh, that's where you get as far as again because you know we talk about a necronomicon being a fictional book and then the next thing you know someone's penned an actual necronomicon and published it out there and put them in because as far as that'd be a cool idea let's make a necronomicon yeah there are at least two versions of the necronomicon out there yeah i've got one of them i need to take that up we'll get, we can review that for a future episode <laughs> but there's several yeah several versions you know of various books floating around there purporting to be and then entering it to kind of, you know, pushing that narrative of, oh, this is the Necronomicon that's talked about in his books. Yeah. And not realizing, you no, know, well, that didn't exist, but, you know, somebody thought it would be fun to write. And so they took the ball and ran with it in the same way that with the likes of uh, Bram Stoker, Mary Shelley, you know, taking those uh, characters' ideas. And then so many people have taken those and adapted them far further than I'm sure the original authors ever thought that they would run with those ideas. Oh, sure. Yeah. I I could imagine like Bram Stoker or like even Lovecraft, you know, realizing just how popular their characters are today. Exactly, yeah, that you would have movies and t-shirts and memorabilia and comics and other books and tons Flush of animals and countless and other books about, you know, that same subject matter mm -hmm. versus like, oh, well, I was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. such humble yeah. beginnings. You know. yes. For him to die in such, you know, impoverished circumstances, mm -hmm. it's really ironic of course that's the story of a lot of artists uh but i don't know the one that i've studied so much i mean it's more personal i guess but it would be interesting to, to know what they would think yeah they could travel in the future and see what happened you know especially in uh, lovecraft you know he was asked to adapt um, uh, one of his stories into a radio and he turned it down you know if he didn't care for like being adapted to the radio, how would it felt like you're being adapted to film? Exactly. Video. Yeah, getting in there exponentially. That's so much more in terms of oh, well, you thought that you know adapting adapted for radio would be you know uh, bastardization or whatever of your work. You know, imagine what <laughs> people making you know into you know safe and cuddly for kids, or you know taking it and doing putting 
mashing it up with this other author's work or, you know, that type of thing. Or like a children's programming, you know, it was like a, a kid's movie about Cthulhu, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a, you know, would he have approved of that, you know, seeing, you know, that, you know, that little kids can like, you know, well, watch his stuff without like actually having to read it. Right. I, I have that, the DVD somewhere. It's, um, it's like Howard Lovecraft or. Yeah. Howard Lovecraft. Lovecraft. I can't remember the, yeah, the, and the something or another. And I'm trying yeah, to. Like the Ice Kingdom or something or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to go through it all because the it was um, digitally animated and it, it looked like oh the animation is terrible bare yeah. minimum effort you know yeah they did a they did a really bad bad job of rendering that right it looks um it looked poorly done it looks like um more like a simulation you know they would see like in what was like reenactment of crimes you would see like it like done in like Japanese you know uh, news shows. <laughs> it's not it's not quite as terrible as um i don't know a few things i've seen but it's 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 up there it's pretty it's about like veggie tales <laughs> I mean, no, really, I got to ask what the tone of it was whether it was kind of for all ages or if it was really you know, sanitized for kids and you know oh yeah, it was, yeah it's for it's for kids yeah, yeah. yeah the animation put me off from watching it so i hadn't actually seen it yeah yeah I'm not sure there are any really true scary moments in it. There may be like some parts where it's like, you know, like they come across a monster and go, ah, you know, that type of thing. But that's about it, you know, but nothing more you've seen of Scooby-Doo. You know? Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah, not really you know, it's, Yeah, you're, you're taking his sensibilities and merging it within with, say, in this case, a Scooby-Doo cartoon. So. Yeah, making to a, <laughs> you know, a kid's film. And so, you know, but the, the animation, I think, is the biggest drawback against it. It'd be a, it'd be an okay cartoon, and um, uh, and the few kids I've seen watch it, they seem to enjoy it. They seem to look past the the, the animation, so it doesn't really matter to them. Uh, but they seem to enjoy the story, so I guess you can call it. You're a little more accepting at a younger age of shoddy animation as you get older than start getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right now, I guess, did you even put any effort into this? Yeah, I guess it's a gateway drug to, to Lovecraft, you know, for that. That's true. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll wrap up. Uh, the stars are no longer in the session for us, so we need to wrap up. Uh, 30 minutes of H.P. Lovecraft was created in association with www.lovecraftpod.com, the Logan Speculative Fiction Group, with the help of the Logan County Public Library, and Lovecraft Eternal Facebook page, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, and the Great Old Ones. Until we may, meet again, may you avoid the wrath of Princess Cthulhu. Until next month, folks.